0: Today's scripture reading is from the first chapter of Ruth. You know, we just finished a three-sermon mini-series based on that tenth chapter of Mark's Gospel, and now we'll have two sermons based on Ruth. So you might think of that as a micro-series, I guess. (laughs) In our Bible, you'll find Ruth in the historical books. It's right after Judges and just before Samuel because the story of Ruth It's said in the time that Israel was ruled by judges. It was before the days of the kings. The book of Ruth is a dramatic story about one family. It's called Ruth, but it starts and ends with Naomi. Now, husbands get named, but their role in this first chapter is just to die. In the first five verses, in fact, in this first chapter of Ruth, men don't say a word. Now, the first time I talked about this passage, I told you about the little boy who was on a play, and his daddy said, "What'd you play?" And he said, oh, "I was the husband?" And the daddy said, "Well son, next time I hope you get a speaking role." <laughs> <laughs> but the ladies know better than that,. Now. There's research on that, and women get interrupted by men much more than the other way around. It's true. Well, they also say that women say more than men do because they keep having, the husbands keep saying, what would you say? <laughs> well, names, names are important in the Old Testament, but especially in this book of Ruth. There's one guy, Malon, who means sickly. Don't you wonder, what was his mama thinking when she named it? Ruth? Now, he marries Ruth. Ruth means friend or companion, and then Chilean means pining. He marries Orpah, back of the neck. Now before you say, well, some of these people had names I never heard of. Let me remind you. You have heard of a famous person named for Ruth's sister-in-law Orpah. Oprah Winfrey was supposed to be named Orpah. But somebody reversed, they misspelled, and they mis- you know, reversed the R and the P, and that's how we got Oprah. True story. So listen now for the word of God in the book of Ruth. First 18 verses. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his sons were Malon and Chilion. They were. Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Chilion also died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law. And they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No! No! We will return with you to your people. Ruth said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they become your husband? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait for them till they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more better for me than for you because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. They wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, She said no more to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. How do you get along with your (laughs) mother-in-law? That's what we call a rhetorical question. Because more than a few would want to claim your Fifth Amendment rights to be silent and avoid self-incrimination. Well, perhaps you've heard that saying, that behind every successful man is a good woman and a very surprised mother-in-law. <laughs> well, mother-in-laws get a really hard time in the realm of comedy and in some dramas, everything from, I don't know, Livia and I, Claudius, to Livia and The Sopranas and lots of others. Mother-in-law, Naomi though is not the villain in the Book of Ruth. In fact, one commentator, or well, more than one actually, noted, there is no villain. There is no villain in this book. Men in the stories of the Bible have villains. Well, starting with Cain and Abel, murderers Cain, you know, and the first brothers, or the jealous brothers of Joseph who sold him into slavery, him and his special coat, right. Pharaoh who wouldn't let the people of Israel go. And then in the New Testament, the most famous villains would be Judas and Pontius Pilate. And that mob screaming, crucify him. So Bible stories have many villains. Many of them do, but not Ruth. At least not human villains. In the story of Ruth and Naomi, the villains were the troubles of everyday life. Stressful events beyond our control. Things that commonly occur but which can overwhelm and defeat us nonetheless the very first verse in the book names one such villain why did Naomi and family move not because of some little problem in the what we call the supply chain but the very real risk that they and their children would starve to death famine such a dire food crisis, well, they'd had those before. Back in the 12th chapter of Genesis, we read, now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to reside there as an alien, for the famine was severe in the land. And then about 30 chapters over, the 41st chapter of Genesis, we read, all the world came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine became severe throughout all the world. And in the very next chapter, we read that when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you keep looking at one another? I've heard, he said, I've heard there's grain in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us so that we may live and not die. Famines were a matter of life and death. Famine was the life-threatening villain that drove Elimelech and Naomi to Moab, and they survived. Well, things went fine for a while, but then in that third verse of the book, another of life's villains took its toll on Naomi's family. Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. Well, they got married to Moabite women, but after 10 years, both the sons died. And the very fifth verse of this book tells us that Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. In that society, women did not work outside the home. They cleaned, they cooked, they raised children, they hosted events, but they were not allowed to work for money, so they were financially dependent on men. So there is Naomi, a widow in a foreign land with two widowed daughters-in-law. Once the need to survive has made Another move necessary, Naomi decides to head back to Judah where she'd heard that they again had grain, God had favored that land again. But then on the way, she realized going home, is that's a good plan for Naomi, but a bad one for her daughters. Naomi has known all too well the challenges of being an outsider, a stranger in a strange land, a foreigner. Well, she's lived for more than 10 years. She has compassion for her daughter's law. She urges them, go back to your people. She even sends them with a blessing. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have with my sons and with me. Now you would think they'd all just hug each other and go their way, but that's not what happened. Naomi kissed them and they wept And they said to her, no, we're going with you. So she explains in great detail why their prospects will be lousy in Judah. And they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Orpah listened to Naomi and left to go back to her people. And now you know why her name was Orpah. Orpah means back of the neck. She went off. But Ruth would not leave. She stayed and she uttered a stunning promise in two verses once heard at many weddings. Maybe in yours. In the King James Version it would be Entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee for whether thou goest I will go and where thou lodgest I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also if aught but death part thee and me. Not even death do us part. Well, think about that. Now would you hitch your wagon, stake your future, commit for life to a woman like Naomi? A woman so embittered by life that when, later on, when they come to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women said, Is that Naomi? And she said to them, Don't call me Naomi any longer. Naomi meant pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt bitterly Harshly with me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. Would you want to go live with somebody forever who called herself bitter? Really? Is that somebody you would choose to live with? Now, Ruth's remarkable commitment to her mother in law, Naomi, speaks volumes. First, I think it says that there was much more to Naomi than the bitterness that she was ready to be renamed with. And it also says that these women had a real family bond that lived on even after the death of the son, Naomi's son, Ruth's husband, the person who had bound their lives together. I have a friend whose father-in-law was in need of a kidney, and he gave one of his kidneys to his father-in-law. That says something about what a bond they had together. Well, next week we'll explore what you might call the rest of the story. But what is it we learn about from this first chapter of Ruth? Well, one thing we learn about is that we need to have resilience. We need to have a storehouse to help us deal with life's adversities. It's shocking to me how many people and you see on the news occasionally live month to month, paycheck to paycheck. If anything happened to their job, if anything interfered with their they're in trouble. One paycheck away from disaster financially. Well, many of us live that way emotionally too. We don't have enough resilience to deal with just the regular things that go on in life. You know, I work with people who are losing vision and 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 uh when I did training with folks and folks asked about this, I said, well, you know, if you really get all bent out of shape, because somebody took your parking spot, blindness is not going to be a picnic. There's a lot to get used to, a lot to deal with. And everybody has tragedies and stress. We all, everybody's having to deal with the COVID these days and, and lots of other things that are stressful. We have to have those skills that get us resilience. We have to have ways that give us hope. We have to have ways that keep us some degree of not ridiculous optimism. Everything is going to be just fine all the time. Well, that's not true. We're going to run into hardships. But we have to have skills to deal with. We have to have resources to help us deal with those hard times. The church is one of those resources. We also we see that when things get were awful, God was still at work. There was a famine, but these people did not starve. The men in the family all died, but as we'll see next week, that family line did not die out. We see that God had a plan for Ruth and Naomi that that they never could have imagined. On that dusty road headed back to Judah, they had no idea what would happen, but God was with them. And we learned that we need each other. What would have happened to Ruth and Naomi with that, that bond of loving friendship they had? Where would you and I be without the loving friendship that we enjoy with family and with friends and with church family? So I say, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. To God be the glory. Amen. You know how some of the shows will say, next week on whatever, Law and Order? Mm -hmm. we got a next week. You know, I told you that in our Bible, you'll find Ruth in the historical books after Judges, just before Samuel, because it's set in that time of Israel when they were ruled by Judges. But that's not the way it is in the Hebrew Bible. It's among what's called the writings. The writings include Psalms and Job and Esther, Daniel, Ezra, and so on. That section of the Jewish Bible is traditionally connected to Cheviot, or the Festival of Weeks, which more recently was called Pentecost. Next week, we'll see how that story's connection to that festival, which take, takes place during Bethlehem's barley harvest. The last verse of the first chapter of Ruth says, So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Well, today we heard the beginning of the story of Ruth, the story in which famine, dislocation, death marked the beginning of the story. But by the end of the story, these will be reversed with harvest seasons, marriage, and birth. So see you next week. (laughs) Ah, there might be some surprises along the way. When you get to the end of your rope, remember, God has hold of the other end. So don't be bitter like Naomi, but like Ruth, have faith. Never forget, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose.